<laughs> so, so I guess my question to you, Painter, is that if you had just gotten into a fight with somebody, would eating ice cream with them calm you down? Would, would that, like, solve the situation? I do think there's a certain element of sitting down and having ice cream cones with someone that makes them seem more childlike. Right. Maybe in turn makes it harder to want to fight them. Yeah, I, I'm just imagining, I'm just imagining, just you know, guys in the heat of battle and be like, all right, everybody, calm down, calm down. We're, you know, if if you, can't, it's almost kind of like parenting, almost, or it's like, all right, if you guys don't calm down, we're not going to get ice cream later. Um, but then you know, they, if you have no idea what we're talking about. Brian Harson said after 8A on Saturday um, that he's uh, somebody asked him about, you know, did everybody come out of 8A healthy? That's always, like, top priority, number one in one of these games. And he's like, you know, this is a direct quote, so I'm going to read uh, verbatim here. He said, as far as everybody being healthy, yeah, as far as I know, uh, everybody was good. That was one of the main goals of spring, too. You want to get into it healthy. You want to get out of it healthy. I go back to Wednesday's practice. I mean, we were in full pads, and you could feel like at that point, you had a couple skirmishes out there, and it's just like, all right, we're at that point right now. We had a helmet practice on Friday, and you guys saw the ice cream truck come out there and all that. Well, that's because Wednesday was so heated. So we needed to make sure that we were all good before we went into the scrimmage. I'm telling you, those guys, you guys don't get to see all those practices, and these guys are going hard. They're getting after it. It is competitive. There's a tremendous amount of fire and passion with these guys. Um, so yeah, end of practices, you get, you know, a month into it, you're probably tired of hitting on the same guys. Um, you're probably tired of, um, you know, being, you know, practices just kind of going through the same stuff over and over again. And it just comes to a point, especially in full pads where you might want to take a shot or two, you might take offense to that. And, uh, you know, the guys got into scuffles and then they bring out an ice cream truck to, to smooth out the situation. And I, I, you know what? I, I it would work on me. It would definitely work on me if I had to. If I got into a disagreement, an altercation with somebody, and then a couple of days later we're having to work together, and I'm having to like stand around, you know, eating ice cream with them. I, I you know what? I think I think we would probably get a, get back on the same page. It, it's it's pretty hard. It's pretty hard to be upset. It's pretty hard to be heated when the ice cream truck's nearby. What flavor are we rocking? So here's all right. So this is a good question because. When I think ice cream truck, okay, so two two different things here. One, ice cream, period, like, you know, you're going to go with something, like if you're getting an ice cream cone, say you're going to like a going to like a Brewster's or a, um, several different places uh, in and around Auburn that have ice cream. For me, you know, I'm probably going with something something a little uh, something a little higher end. Uh, we're going to get a lot, a lot of stuff that's involved. Something maybe with some peanut butter or some caramel. Those are probably my two favorite kind of things. So just something with all that in there. My exception to to that, um, if you have anything that's like a blueberry or a, you know like a um, like a, maybe a special kind of strawberry, maybe. But you know the very very basic basics. I'm just trying to get like something in there with uh with just a little something i don't want just plain vanilla i don't want even just plain chocolate i want something with some either with some texture or some different flavors combined in here so that's my pitch what's what's yours if we're if we're going your ice cream cone flavor go for it typically chocolate and peanut butter will just about do it for me yeah that's that's a good one i can be very like it varies with the toppings it's usually just like i just gravitate toward you know like if you're there was the mm-hmm. frozen yogurt crave or craze. Yes. Yeah. 
That died really quickly. It did, it did. But, you know, it was a fun time. And I never really went in with the game plan for my topics. No. It just happened. Nope. Just, yeah, you, yeah a, a master, uh, an improviser, uh, somebody who can somebody who can come in and take it to it. So, the Patrick Mahomes of the frozen yogurt line. Yes, that, that's you for sure. But when I hear ice cream truck, I think of, like, an ice cream truck that would go around a, a neighborhood and, like, sell, like, the like – the, the package stuff, you know, like the, um, like the ice cream bars and the ice cream like sandwiches and you know the the what is it the good humor truck like you know those those kind of like um, novelties, that's what I'm thinking of. I wonder, I wonder if if that's the move. If that is there any one of those like prepackaged things, and I guess it doesn't have to be ice cream. They have like popsicles and stuff like that. Is there not a big popsicle guy? Really, yeah, never has. Me neither. The little the 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 flavor ice, the ones in the tube, you know, the cheap ones that you get like six hundred of them for two dollars at like a Dollar General. Um, those that you know, like the they're just the plastic tubes that you freeze, and it's basically. I always Kool-Aid. sort of hurt my mouth on those sucking on them, like the little ends of them. Just cutting, just cutting, yeah, just cutting the, just like the Joker baby. <laughs> giving yourself a Chelsea Grant over <laughs> over a Popeyes, that'd be amazing. Um, Popsicles mid. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. I'm I'm with you on that one. But like, maybe like, uh, you know, um, to an ice cream sandwich. Like, there's oh, one. Yeah, there's yeah. Love the ice cream. My one of my favorites, and they used to have these. Well, there's two, two go tos they used to have. So back when Jordan Hare, the press box used to be at the fifty, the old press box area before they said, "Hey, we're not making any money off of this. Let's make tens of thousands of dollars by putting sweets in there." Which I mean. Here's the thing. A person like me can complain about the new press box all I want to, but it's falling on deaf ears. It's the people the people are making more money off of this. Um, and you know what I'm not I'm not that big of a deal. Um, and media shouldn't be that big of a deal. Um, when they when they back of the old one, they used to have an ice they used to have like ice cream freezers. Like you would see it like a gas station. And I think the arena I think I think the basketball arena has this, still has this in the scholarship section. They may still have it in the scholarship section at, at the football stadium too. Um, but they would have it with like all the different kind of, you know, you can get ice cream sandwiches. I once saw Joel Erickson eat like 900 of them during a lightning delay one year. Um, it's one of the, one of the most impressive things I've ever watched, but they had two that it was the go-to for me. Number one, and my all-time favorite is the Snickers ice cream bar. You ever had one of those bad boys before, Painter? Very good. Very good. Yeah. Top tier. The second one I really liked is sometimes they would do an ice cream sandwich where the it was the M M&M and M ice cream sandwich. So it's the two M M&M and M cookies with the vanilla ice cream in the middle. Those were my those are my go tos. If you have either of those, I'm going to the truck. We're getting that, and I'm going to stop fighting with 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 the linebackers if 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 you put that in front of me. You sound like an ice cream sandwich guy, though. Yeah, like, both like of those classic. are acceptable. I do enjoy the M&M one. I got one of those from the grocery store a few weeks ago. Ate, like, four of them. It was awesome. <laughs> and Like the, bo- the box of them? I would not get a drumstick at, the, like, the press box, but right. I do associate my granddad, Upa, loved a good drumstick after an Uma dinner. So oh, yeah. those have some nostalgia points. Mm-hmm. Drumstick, drumsticks, uh, one of my mom's favorite. Desserts. The bottom is nice, you know, the little yes. the end, the little chocolate mm-hmm. crunch at the end of the cone. She, 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 she's a big fan of the drumsticks. There's usually some at uh, at at my parents' house. Um, yeah, I, I think though, 
I think what we're learning here in this conversation is that ice cream brings everyone together and we can, you know, we can get heated in the heat, of, you know, the heat of battle, the heat of podcasting battle painter. And even though we are, even though we are apart geographically, just know that if we ever get into a disagreement, we can always just stop and, uh, and, and, and commiserate over some ice cream and everything will get back to normal. It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition. I guess it's Monday now, so it's it's. I guess if you call that the weekend, the free it's the edition weekend for us. Yeah, y'all are still <laughs> maybe some of you are feeling the effects of the weekend. Whoo! I mean, come on, you got you got the Masters, you had a big baseball weekend in Auburn. There's a lot of stuff going on, uh, but we're here to talk about a day and some other dis, uh, other things surrounding Auburn football. Uh, there was a commitment in the 2023 class um, that we'll discuss as well. Uh, but this this podcast painter, it's kind of funny. 8A was 32 minutes long in terms of actual game time. The second half was running clock. So there's a good chance we're going to talk a whole lot more about a 32-minute game than 32 minutes. But that's just kind of how it is with, with the spring game and with 8A because this is the last look that um, – that we get before the fall of, of a team and, and like actual football like competition. Um, it's really the only shot that a lot of people get uh, period. Uh, so if you're a, if you're an average fan sitting at home, or even if you're in Auburn and you're not one of the, the, the lucky ones who get to go to practices or, you know, donate a lot of money or all that stuff, it's kind of it for you. Um, so there is value. There is something to, gather from that there's stuff that we can discuss but also i think we can kind of look at the point that hey it was 10 to 9 and it was 32 minutes and half of it was running clock and there were so many guys who were out and so many you know so many different kind of tweaks to it there it's like if you're looking for these big sweeping takeaways if you want the hot takes uh, which i think a lot of people want <laughs> a lot of times coming out of a spring game uh this was not a good t- chance to do it you can try you can do that and we're not we're not going to give any of them to you, but it, it just I think there's a lot of this that has to come in a certain context. I don't want to tell you that it, none of it mattered, but it matters as much as hey, this was one of three you know, scrimmages they had in spring ball. It's the last spring practice. So it was kind of the what you were doing on the way out the door, um, the kind of the last impression before this for the summer. If you're a player, think of it think of it that way. Don't think of it as you know an actual game don't think of it as something that's going to determine what everything looks like in in the fall uh, but there are there are good things to kind of glean from it and that's that's what we're going to discuss here right what are your what are your attitudes towards it and this doesn't even have to be this year but as somebody like you like uh, as a fan like where, where is you where are you as an Auburn fan coming down on a day you know, Nate, might might not even be this year, but like just generally, like kind of what are your attitudes towards it? I think in the last 25 years, certainly since the modern era, the sites online have sort of ushered in a wave of a intense and deep fandom that allows these people an outlet almost 24-7, especially with Twitter thrown in there. But like there has become a more self-aware fan that realizes that spring games are more or less just another practice. In fact, if anything, 
less than a normal practice because they're not going to do anything of significance with that many eyeballs on you. If anything, it allows them to try to do some things where there's some semblance of pressure on you because there's, you know, if you've played any sort of competitive sport or done anything publicly, you know, it's, there's always an added element when there are eyeballs on you, but this is kind of just another practice for them. Yeah. And so I think we talk about it like we would talk about, you know, what we've seen so far in the spring, just take it as a normal practice. Don't try to make what happened in this one practice. Like, yeah, we'll talk about the quarterbacks. We'll talk about one quarterback. In, I would say two quarterbacks in particular looking really, really good compared to another one. Um, it's just one practice. It's just one scrimmage out of a bunch of them. And, you know, one guy who is sure to factor big in this quarterback battle didn't even participate in it. So there's going to be a lot of people having big reactions to a guy like Robbie Ashford. And I suppose the coaches can lean into the idea that there's maybe a little more pressure on them because, like, hey, these folks came out to watch us. Let's give them a good show in whatever way we can. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think having fans out there like yeah i mean I, I i like your point there about like anytime there's eyeballs on you and i guess in the case of this is it's not only their eyeballs are you know around thirty thousand people who were there yesterday um you also have you know tv cameras and people are going to watch this and and you know there are a lot more people that you know it's going to color a lot of fans opinions moving forward and so yeah you're going to want to play well you're, you're not going to treat it as no big deal if you're, if you're one of the healthy guys kind of participate it's just not very good for generating takes i think it is good for the actual team because there is an element that's not normally there which is obviously you the person listening the fan and then what ferg said like there's some media there whatever whatever whether or not you think that legitimizes it or not i don't know it doesn't you know yeah no i it's i i think it's it's uh um I, i like what you said earlier about like creating a smarter and a self more self-aware fan and I, yeah i mean i think the rise of the internet and subscription sites kind of like ours um although we do things differently than you know say a 247 or an on three or arrivals obviously um it's just a different different format but when you you have this access and you have this data and you have this information and and that's that's the whole goal here right like what we try to do we have fun you know, on the with the newsletter and, and the podcast, and we want to be, you know, I think people appreciate that we are a little bit more laid back and, and um, you know, not as, maybe not as uh, overly dramatic as what you may get from, like, not I'm not saying local media at all, but, like, national media and just kind of the big takes and, you know, all that, but... Um, those of you who are self-aware about Auburn know that the, the following this team comes with big swings. Yeah, and and the other thing there is just like, yeah, we want you to be a smart – like, that's my goal. Uh, You know, when I started covering this team, you know, as a job for a living, it's like, you know, my thing – and I've I've said this before. It's like I am not a reporter. I'm not not somebody who has a lot of sources and breaks a lot of news. That's never been my game. Um, And there are a lot of people who do that here that are awesome at it. And we tell you all the time to listen to them and and, and trust them because they they do really good work at it. And never been a guy in recruiting as much. um, But I like numbers and I like data and I like, you know, just some of the inside kind of deeper stuff about the game that kind of goes beyond just what you get on the surface. And so that's my goal. It's like I just want, you know, I, I know when I'm a fan of teams um 
you know, growing up, like I liked stuff that made me smarter about, Hey, what's going on. And I guess that's, that's kind of what we want to do as well. But we also you know, want to kind of have fun with it as, as well. Um, so yes, this is not hot take territory. Uh, but I feel like this, this first topic of discussion will be hot take territory. Um, quarterbacks. We have been talking the last couple of weeks about uh, Robbie Ashford, and we had gotten some questions about him. I wrote a story about him last week. Um, thought, man, I, I've really been impressed with him. I just every time I've gotten to watch him in spring ball, I was like, this this guy I think needs to be taken a little bit more seriously. Our friend Pablo Escobar uh, had a question about him in the mailbag on Friday, and it all timed up pretty well because on Saturday he he looked good. He looked good. His final stat line uh, for this one, he was uh, 12 of 16 uh, for um, 132 yards passing. So that's a 75% completion percentage and 8.25 yards per attempt. On all both of those are good numbers, especially in the spring game. Um, but there's a big caveat there with that. He was with the second-team offense, and that was against the first-team defense. He posted really good numbers against the first-team defense. Now, again, a little bit more vanilla. You're not necessarily going to show your whole hand there. There are some absences and all, there are some different things, but um, he was the best at throwing the football in terms of efficiency uh, in the game. Um, he ran uh, really well. Um, you know, they do quick whistles because they don't want anybody to come even anywhere close to touching a quarterback. And for a guy like Robbie Ashford, which we have talked about, his scrambling and his improvising is going to be a key part of him. He does things with his legs that a TJ Finley and a Zach Calzada just have not shown in their career at this point, not at that level, right? And, um, you know, Harson said it afterwards. He's like, yeah, there's sometimes we blow it dead, and it's like, is that going to necessarily be a sack in a real game? Probably not, you know, just because Asher's got some bulk to him. He's 6'4", he runs hard, he's got some strength uh, with that, but he improvised behind a second-team offensive line, and a wide receiver room, that uh, group that just didn't have a whole lot of experience attached with it, um, and played really, really well. I, I thought he 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 threw the ball um, well. He only had it was four incompletions. I think there were only a couple of them where you're like, man, that was just a bad miss. Um, and this is a guy who just doesn't have any college experience yet. He spent two years on the bench at Oregon in these battles, kind of learning and prepping. Auburn was an opportunity for him to have a better shot, uh, considering Auburn needed an upgrade at the quarterback spot. Um, and that upgrade could come from, as Harson talked about, like anybody could win this job. It's still going to be open. He said probably the biggest piece of news that came out of A-Day is saying, uh, was Harson saying, look, we'll tighten up this race after the first fall scrimmage. So keep in mind that is going to be four wide. And, you know, I think I overlook Holden Garner a, a little bit, you know, when whenever we're talking, it's just going to be a lot for him. But he said, you know, anybody's got a shot to get it. Any of those guys in that room have a shot. So, Keep that all in mind over these next four months that we're that we're about to go through. Um, but I, I thought Ashford, considering he was with a second-team offense against the first-team defense to put up the numbers he had, obviously was just a really good uh, – it was an easy MVP pick. He made some throws that I thought were pretty impressive um, at different levels of the field. And, yeah, his running ability. Uh, they went third and one and ran a zone read. And, like, look, Auburn's got, had some issues last year with third and short. That's another dimension you have to this game. So everything we've said about Robbie Ashford remains true. He doesn't have any experience, and he's going up against guys who do, and that's going to be a factor in this thing. 
But this was a scrimmage, I thought, where it's like, okay, what does he look like operating the offense? What does he look like having to kind of get everything going? And from my perspective, not just the passing numbers, not just the the the, the ability to make more plays with his legs, I thought he – I thought he looked like he had pretty good command of an offense for a guy who's new to it, and that's something that Harson's kind of really underscored. Um, I, you know, like I said, we've we've said it for for a couple weeks now. If if you're not if you weren't taking Ashford seriously as a contender in this job because he was the wild card, this is the spot now where like I think I think A Day showed that he's got something that um, you know is going to make him a serious contender. I, I think especially his ability to make plays on the run. He made some good throws on the run. I think that's going to be a big factor because of what Auburn's offense is going to look like in 2022. And I thought this was a really, really good introduction to the fan base for for a guy like Robbie. It is a nice twist if he ends up winning the job that Harson has generally had quarterbacks who are not particularly mobile but are good pocket passers. They get a, They go recruit a guy and get a transfer two transfers if you want to throw Finley in there that are mm-hmm. pocket passers. And then Ashford comes in as more or less probably an afterthought to many fans, myself included. And it turns out he might be, at least he might have the most positive juju going into the summer. Yeah. And, and I think, I think in the case of, um, I think in the case of, of Ashford, you could see him be, you know, j- just another type of weapon, for Auburn that, you know, may, may, I don't foresee, like he had one design run and that was a good third and short keeper. Um, just a different little wrinkle. We saw Auburn do that last season with Bo Nix. It's not like Brian Harson doesn't know what to do with a guy with some wheels. Nix was a great example of this last year. Um, but it's like, he's six, four, he can make plays in the pocket, but when stuff breaks down, he can, get out and still keep his eyes upfield and, and, and throw the ball. And again, one practice, you know, one shot, but some of the traits, some of the tools that we've seen throughout the spring, he got to kind of put it all together with eyeballs on him on Saturday. And I thought that was a really good look for him. Compare that to TJ Finley, who was with the first team offense against the second team defense. And he had in his words, um, some positive and some negative, uh, uh, during his performance, it wasn't as good as Ashford statistically. 11 of 19, 57.9% for 137 yards. at 7.21 per attempt. Not great numbers. Um, he threw a pretty ball to Malcolm J- Johnson Jr. for that touchdown. But if you watch the replay, it probably could have been ruled an incompletion. It didn't, you know, you know, didn't kind of finish the play there. Um, he almost had a pass intercepted by Marquise Gilbert. There was also another play in the game, though, where he had Tavares Dawson, and Dawson dropped it, and that would have been a sure touchdown. So, like, again, I think the thing with Finley kind of – it kind of carried over from some of the stuff we saw from him when he got to play down the stretch. And, of course, Auburn didn't win um, down the stretch, which, you know, makes makes a lot of those numbers, uh, you know, even worse, I think, in, in, in fans' mind, uh, minds and, and in their eyes. Um there's some plays he makes that are really, really good. And then there's some plays where it's just, it's just not consistent. And he had the first team offensive line in front of him, but there's a big asterisk there. He had first team wide receivers around him. He was going against the second team and he just wasn't as sharp. He just wasn't as crisp as a guy like Ashford. And does that mean he has no chance to be the starter? No. Does that mean that they, he can't be the guy this year? No, like that, 
they're going Auburn is going to keep this thing wide open. And the thing for TJ Finley is that this is one practice out of 15. And in those 15 practices, he's been the number one guy. And Arson's talked about how much he's liked his leadership, how much he's liked um, the fact that he has worked hard to improve some of the problem areas that he's had. Um, he's going to be – like, don't don't let, you know, one not great performance in a day say, well, there's no shot. Now, uh, you know, it's it, that's the thing where it's like I think a lot of people are going to fall in love with Ashford after this. I think a lot of people are going to fall in love with Calzada whenever they get to see him. If I mean, I guess – guess it really won't until uh, until the actual season um but you know there's a lot there's a lot more to it than just one game um I just think for TJ Finley he just looked to me it's the same that we saw towards the end of last season there are some good moments he's got good traits he's got some good ability he knows the offense he is you know the guy who's been training as QB1 right now however the consistency is just not there at this point and look, maybe, you know, there's no guarantee that for these guys who are brand new to the system that they would have better consistency, period. But I think we didn't learn anything new about T.J. Finley on Saturday. I think what we got to hear from Harson, what we got to hear from Finley himself is just, hey, this dude's really trying to be a leader for this team because he is the only quarterback in that room with experience. And that carries a lot of weight when it's just like, hey, can you help run this offense? Can you help get them to where they want to be? And he had some bad plays and he had some good plays. And then there were a couple of opportunities where like like the Dawson play, like his numbers could have looked a lot better if like guys catch the ball. It's just, you know. That'll be a fun thing to track as the year goes on. Do the receivers do the catching? Because... There were some really good snags for some guys, and then there were some drops, right? It's just – it's kind of like the thing with Finley, too. It's like it's not not a ton of experience there, not a ton of pass production there, and so you're going to have inconsistency. Um, I, you know, and I, I guess this goes – Calzada didn't play. He's recovering from a, a non-throwing shoulder injury. He's been limited all throughout practice. He's been kind of towards the back of the line in most, um, most drills. They want to get him healthy in the summer. They want to turn him loose in the fall. He's going to be a big factor, period. Like, you didn't see him on Saturday. That doesn't mean anything. He's going to be a big factor in this quarterback battle. Now, it would be remiss if we didn't talk about Holden Garner, who comes in in the final drive, in the fourth quarter, running clock, and leads Auburn down the field in a pass-heavy drive where not really two-minute drill, but kind of close-ish. Um, he goes 9 of 11 for 74 yards. It's 81% passing. That's only 6.45 yards per attempt, so that's lower than both of it, both of his, the guys ahead of him, which means a lot more shorter stuff, a lot more kind of quick. I mean, a lot of things that you'd see a freshman just, hey, take what's open, take what's open, you know, a lot of that. But his touchdown pass to Landon King at the very end was a really good play. Um, back shoulder ball, he threw it right, right dot, like a dot right to the to the front pylon. King made a great play in traffic. It's what he does. I mean, and, 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 you know, Landon King is, you know, the iron bowl catch this one. I mean, he's, he's got the knack for, for stuff in traffic. He's got the flair for the dramatic. He's just got to be more consistent at his roles moving forward. But, um, you know, he played some tight end on Saturday and he played some wide receiver on Saturday. That last, that last touchdown catch, he was the X receiver in that, in that set. So, um, good stuff from Garner. 
statistically pretty strong. Just manage the game well. And he's just – he's learning. He's – you know, he would be uh, – as my dad would say, he's, you know, he's drinking out of a fire hose right now. Like, there's there's just so much that's, that's being thrown at him uh, with a new offense. And he's going up against guys right now that have – two, three years of college experience ahead of them, and it's going to look different. And so I think statistically, yeah, great completion percentage. Not as not as much in terms of attempt. didn't stretch the field nearly as much. And also it's got to come with context down the stretch there. Both the defense and the offense by that point were starting to rotate in some walk Now there were some guys out there that were, that were going to be scholarship players and going to be you know, key players. I think he completed a pass to, to a big tight end or two during that, during that final drive. Uh, but yeah, it was just like, Hey, here's, here's your first real test at what a game environment could look like in this stadium, you know, with eyeballs on you. What do you look like? And I thought he looked pretty good. And, and again, I, I, I don't see Holden Garner as somebody who starts this season for Auburn just because of what's up against him. But you watch him play and you watch him during, during spring ball. He's got a lot of the traits that you would see. Okay. That's, you know that makes sense that a guy like Brian Harson got him as a quarterback. He he does a lot of those things, and has a lot of those those traits that you know you check you check the box of. And so I think he will be a guy that's really good in time for Auburn. I don't think twenty twenty two is necessarily going to be the year where you see a lot of him, um, but I could be wrong. Uh, either way, I think that people are very high on him. His teammates spoke very highly of him afterwards. Um, T.J. Finley said he's going to be a special player. You know he's going to be a really special quarterback at Auburn. We'll see what that looks like and when that will be. But I thought he played well there. Um, but again, like I said, Painter, it's just one scrimmage. It's one practice out of fifteen. Don't make these grand sweeping takeaways. But I think it can influence. Like, oh, this is what this guy may look like in this offense. Here's what this guy may may not. Here's where there's some areas to get better at, and they, they're going to have the next four months to get better at a lot of this stuff. Did Auburn run the football? No, they did not at all. No. I think if you want to see the biggest negative for Auburn coming out of this, this A-Day game, and there's a reason for it. There's a re- there is a big reason for this, but even still, last season Auburn did not run the ball very well in SEC play. Just three and a half yards of carry. It's really bad. Those are just not good numbers. Um, yes, Tank Bigsby got to 1,000 yards. But Auburn struggled. They could not run the ball when they wanted to. That was a problem uh, in games that were winnable last season, and they didn't. And, and they went through their fingers. Part of it is because they could not run the ball. They didn't run the ball in this game either. Um, Twenty-nine carries for sixty-five yards. That's just two point two four yards per carry. Sean Jackson was the closest one to even hitting four yards a carry. He had seven carries for twenty-six yards. Uh, Tank only had five carries for twelve yards. Nothing really much going on. Everything was kind of bottled up. The longest run by any by, by a running back was uh, Jordan Ingram had a six yard carry at one point. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Sean Jackson had a ten yarder. Okay, so not a whole lot, just not a whole lot on the ground. There's a big reason for that, and one of them, the big reason is that offensive line that you saw, the first team offensive line on on Saturday. Is not what the first-team offensive line is going to look like in the fall. Nick Brahms, Austin Troxel, Brandon Council, and Keandre Jones all did not participate. Council hasn't participated at all during camp. Brahms, Troxel, and Jones have all been limited. Jeremiah Wright, a guy that probably isn't a starter this year, but is another guy that they like, probably a two-deep kind of player, also out. 
Alec Jackson was the only guy out there who is a you know kind of a uh, an experienced starter that was out with that first team unit. You had a lot of guys out there that have not played a ton of college football, or if they have, it hasn't been in a key role very consistently. Um, that's a big reason why they didn't run the ball well at all. Secondly, Auburn's defensive line is playing really, really well. They've got a lot of talent. That's a that's a that's a that's a one point five team offensive line. Not first, not second, but kind of somewhere in the middle. That's that offensive line having to go up against Marcus Harris and Colby Wooden and some of these big dudes up front. Auburn's defensive line has played really, really well in camp. They have looked the part, and that's a big reason why they did that. So they the running game struggled in a big way, and I think that will be disappointing to a lot of fans because you've heard like, oh, they're going to downhill running game, run between the tackles. This is what this, is what this offense is going to look like, okay? They didn't do it on Saturday, and so and they didn't do it last year either. And so, while we can point to the inexperience on the offensive line and the good play of Auburn's own defense as a reason why those numbers are low, they're still not good numbers. There were a couple of good runs that were popped, but not very many. And that's still going to be the big question mark. Um, if you're going to build the offense around your best player and run behind an experienced offensive line, one, you need that offensive line to get back and get healthy. Two, they got to be better than they were last year. And so that's, I think that's the one where it's like, yes, there are reasons. There are ways you can kind of point to and excuses, I guess, is the, <laughs> is the negative word to say. But like, there are reasons where you could point to and say, it wasn't good because of this. It wasn't good because of that. And there are valid. But when this is going to be the identity of your offense and you aren't able to do it, doesn't matter who's up there against it. Doesn't matter who's running the ball. Doesn't matter who's blocking for them you probably could have afforded to to be a lot better in this area. I'm not saying they were going to run wild because if they ran wild, you'd be like, well, what the heck's Auburn's defensive line doing? It's one of those things that whenever one unit dominates the other one in a spring game, it's like if you're optimistic, you're going to want to circle and highlight the the good part. If you're more pessimistic, you're going to want to talk mostly about the bad stuff. The answer is somewhere in the middle. I think in this case for Auburn, though, if you want to be a little bit more pessimistic about it, I get it because we just know that this is going to be an identity of their team. But having four potential starters out on your offensive line is going to change a lot of that. We hope so. Yeah, I mean, like... We, we d- you're right. It depends on what lens you look at all these words through. <laughs> yeah. We hope so. Right, like if they if they can't run the ball this year, it's going to be a long season. It just is. They're going to have to get better at running the ball. We knew that. It's one practice. It's it's one very heavily. Um, it's one practice that was heavily affected by depth. And and I think the other thing is like Auburn's defense front should be really good this year. I that shouldn't take anything. Defense usually had an offense. This isn't code red. You know, screaming sirens that oh, Auburn's running game is not going to be very good. Um, it was a light day for Tank Bigsby. It was a, a lot of a lot of newer faces in the trenches. That all can help. Like that all can. Yeah. Well, I mean, what do you have to gain by giving Tank fifteen carries in a <laughs> scrimmage behind an no. offensive line that won't, for the large part, be your offensive line in September? And, and right now, I think you know if you're trying to learn, you're trying to learn a little bit more about your quarterbacks. You throw the ball a little more in this one. Makes sense. But yeah. 
they could have afforded to be a little better in that area just to give some folks a little bit more confidence. Let me dig into my bag of cliches. You want to see a crisp running game. You want to see them looking fluid. You want to see them really punching the rock. Speaking of something that looked fluid, I was impressed with Auburn's linebackers along with their defensive line. This is a group that lost Zagoda McClain and Chandler Wooten, and Owen Papo hasn't been out there in the spring. So it's a lot of guys that we haven't seen a ton of so far in their Auburn careers. I thought they played really well. I thought Wes Steiner and Cam Riley as the starting inside linebackers in this in this in the first-team defense, I thought they played really well. Part of the reason why Auburn had a hard time running, running the ball is those guys came downhill. They filled, they filled the gaps. There were some times where tight ends, maybe running back, slot receivers got a little loose on them in, in coverage, and, and they were able to make plays on that. But Cam Riley, defensive MVP, uh, I thought Auburn blitzed a little bit more of their inside linebackers than I was expecting. Maybe keep that in mind as maybe a tweak moving forward for them. Steiner made some good plays in space. But it wasn't just those two guys either. Des Tisdale had a lot of solo tackles for the second-team defense. Joko Willis um, early on looked really good in pass rush. He's kind of playing that star role, um, you know, where, where certain packages where they want to get him on the field, and he can be a, he can be a weapon in, in the pass rush. Cameron Brown almost had a pick. Uh, Powell Gordon, Auburn High's very own, had a tackle for loss in the fourth quarter. That linebacker group was pretty precise, pretty crisp. And that was, you know, that's the thing about that defense this year. It's like you like your defensive line talent. You like your your top line defensive line talent. You like your top line talent in the secondary, and you've got depth behind them that you're trying to develop. Linebackers, if Owen's 100%, you know what he's capable of. But it's like who's going to step up with him? And in this scrimmage, you saw that Steiner and Riley, they've trained for this. They've been developed. Steiner talked a lot to me yesterday about like how much he learned from Jacoby McClain and, and Chandler Wooten over the years, how much he missed having those guys around. They looked pretty good in that, in that, in that spot. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I think that's, I think that was a good sign for those guys. They, they were better than I expected in this scrimmage. And, you know, the offense had success throwing the ball, especially with Ashford against the first-teamers. Those two guys, I think, really stepped up. And then you saw some of that depth kind of do well, too. Um, that That's going to be kind of the hinge point. The linebackers are asked to do a lot in any defense, especially this one. Um, but, you know, Steiner and Riley have been training for this moment for quite some time now. And if they can get Papo to 100% and those guys can play kind of like they've played here in spring ball, Auburn's going to be a lot more solid, I think, on that side than, than maybe we expected going. And then you get guys like Joko Willis and Des Tisdell and some of these guys to play maybe some certain packages, certain situations. Um, that group, you feel a lot more confident about that group. So that was a really good – I thought that was a really good re- – really, really good development for Auburn on Saturday. Defensive line seems safe to say will be competent, perhaps good relative to its SEC counterparts. More yep. questions at linebacker, but you've recruited reasonably well there. Seems mm-hmm. also safe mm-hmm. to say. It all goes back to the question about what you value more in these matchups when you're playing yourself. Is the offense just really behind the eight ball? Is your defense taking another nice step forward in year two under a new coaching staff? Is it somewhere in the middle that the offense just doesn't have a whole lot yet, but you got some talent on the defense? Yeah, and I would also like to point out on defense at linebacker, you also got Robert Woodyard coming in as well. So, like, that that linebacker room is going to continue to get really good talent and continue to deepen. Um, 
to me, if, if I'm looking at like kind of big picture, not just from A-Day, but from what I saw as a whole from Auburn's Auburn in spring ball, my big picture, picture takeaway is this. I think all three levels of the defense have really good top-of-the-line talent. When they're healthy, I think this could be a really good defense. I think they can build off of what they did last year. I don't know if they could be that much better than they were last year, but I think in most games Auburn played last season, their defense was excellent. Um, there were a couple games where they were not, and you know the ones, and you know you know what went wrong in those games. Um, I think Auburn's got a really good chance to be a good to great SEC defense next season. That's just kind of my thought process for, from it. Offensively, there are pieces. There is not a whole lot of consistency yet. Part of the reason why there's not a whole lot of consistency yet is you have not had a really good look at what your offensive line is going to look like yet because those guys are the, – all that experience, their number one priority is getting healthy this offseason. I think you have a variety of dudes at quarterback still trying to figure things out. Um, and I think it's hard for your running game to kind of establish itself when the offensive line's not not clicking right now. They need – reinforcements at wide receiver. They need people to separate in the fall at quarterback. They need that offensive line to take a step forward with all that experience and, and just get healthy. Um, I think the tight ends look pretty good. They were all over the place in, in, in the spring game, and they'll be a key part of this offense moving forward. I think the defense is obviously ahead of the offense. We knew that going in. I think the defense – I think the Auburn's offense, there's a lot of things that need to go right over these next four and five months for them to be – an offense that can win games in the SEC at the rate that Auburn wants them to. Uh, you know, what Auburn fans would expect from this team year in and year out. I think there's a lot that they've got to do. It's not impossible. It's just going to be a lot of hard work. It's going to be a lot of things that they're going to have to get right. Um, there's potential. There are pieces. But you're going to need people to – you're going to people. You're going to need people who haven't done it before to play at a consistent level. And you're going to need some experience in, in key areas to carry a, carry a big part of the workload. I think Auburn can really, really build off that defense this year. I think if they can get people to block on a consistent basis in front of Tank Bigsby, they can win games with a running game and that, and then, and then, and then develop a passing game throughout the season. Um, but it ain't, it ain't going to be easy. And it, it's just not going to be easy. It's not impossible, but it ain't going to be easy. Um, I think that's the best thing to, to the best way to look at it. I think fans should be a little bit more optimistic about the defense than maybe they are. Um, and I think there's some things they've just got to hit for that offense to 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 look good. And I think you can see some of the pieces. You can see like when certain players flash in a spring game on offense. You can say, okay, if you can get that on a little bit more consistent basis, you might be cooking with something here. But uh, there's just a lot of stuff that's got to come together on that side of the ball. Also, this, like, this feels like a broad thing to say, given that health right. is always so important with a football team. But I do wonder because Auburn recruits at the strange level that it does, which is basically the bottom end of the blue chip ratio, where they really can't afford to have injuries. No, they just don't have depth. I mean, look, look, you had about 20 guys leaving the transfer portal. You can't replace all of them. That's not allowed in the rules. You can't replace all of them. Depth is going to be a concern. Um, you saw Dylan Brooks play well for, for, from the edge position uh, on Saturday. He is it. He is it behind Derek Hall and Eculiota right now. I think Auburn's got to get people in the portal. Um, we'll see who they add on to that. But, yeah, like they just – this team's got to get healthy. And part of the reason why you didn't see 
a full strength team in the in the spring is because they were getting a bunch of dudes healthy, and they were getting guys that probably didn't need to be out there very much. They played it safe with them, and they want to get them healthy. That's their top priority. Um, no team yeah. is as good as it would be otherwise. Obviously, Painter, if it's fully healthy, but that at least you, at least the, the you don't problem, have the depth that you don't have the depth that some of your yes. The do. problem you is those programs all around you can absorb it better than almost anyone else can. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. So we'll talk more football. Obviously, moving forward, we're we're about to be in the heart. We're in the off season now, the true off season. Um, Football will continue to be a big conversation. There will be developments. There will be news. There will be stuff we want to discuss and break down moving forward. But, um, yeah, spring ball on the books. What I think I learned most from this is um, I think the Robbie Ashford emergence was a, was a big one. I think it's too early to tell about what the identity of this offense is going to be because of all the pieces that are in flux and in the, in the injury situation. And, you know, I, I think I – think the defense, some of the depth at some of the areas where you had some question marks on defense, I think they were better than expected. Not saying that they were, you know, not saying that they, they, they're completely fixed. Norman's going to have no problems on defense. Yeah. There's going to be, there might be some games where they struggle, like, but I, I think they can build off of what they had last year. Um, and then you didn't really learn anything about special teams because your kicker is hurt and, or well recovering from, from injury. And, um, you know, you 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 don't you're not going to get any closer to figuring out who your returners are in spring. That's just not something you usually do. That's a that's a fall camp kind of thing you learn more about. So we shall see. It's going to be. I think going back to what Brian Hartson said after after the game on Saturday is big. This is about competition, about you know raising everybody's level. The next four months is about to be all about execution and ice what cream are, and ice cream. What are guys going to do? to get better on their own and the limited time you have with coaches. This is a lot of hard work. It's just going to take a lot of hard work. And they know that they knew that coming in. And this is the, this is the staff. This is the program that has preached hard work and, 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 you know, getting it done that way. And I think Uh, also being able to take a lesser version of talent and get more out of it. That's yep sort of the wizardry we're being sold on. And and I think at least in practice, when you're going through the hiring process, that pitch makes sense to me, knowing what Auburn's up against with the talent that's around yep. it and the biggest schools in Louisiana and Alabama and Georgia. Yeah, this but is a prove also, it. But also, like, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. This is a prove-it year for Brian Harson, and, and I think we were gonna we would have said that even if he didn't go through the, the internal investigation. It's going to be a prove-it year. Um, he's preached a lot about, he's preached a lot about hard work and, and, and guys doing the right thing every single day. It's going to take that. It's going to take some added pieces in the off season er, over the summer. It's going to take some luck in terms of guys staying healthy. It's going to take some good breaks. It's not impossible. This is Auburn. Like, again, we're, we're at this point where, you know, there are fans out there that think that this could be a really rough season upcoming, and there's going to be a lot of data points you can point to to say well, why you feel that way. But I would also say if you want to be among the fans that stay a little more optimistic about the future, it's Auburn football. You can't predict this. You just can't. So we'll see what that looks like moving forward. All right, we will uh, wrap up here talking some 
off the field stuff with football um, in terms of recruiting and elsewhere and uh, and a little bit of maybe a little bit of basketball before we go. Before we do that, though, uh, subscribe to the Auburn Observer. If you like the show uh, and you want more of it, um, you can get a free episode uh, once a week or I'm sorry, a, a premium episode once a week. You get this free episode, but you get a premium episode uh, once a week. If you subscribe to the Auburn Observer and you get all the newsletters as well, sent directly to your email inbox uh, about three or four times a week. Uh, AuburnObserver.com, $6 a month or $6 a year. You can sign up for a free trial there as well. If you want to check it out for a week, you can do that too. Um, Speaking of premium podcast, uh, we will have a bonus podcast. It's probably going to go up like around noon on Wednesday, I think is what we're shooting for. Uh, Auburn Gymnastics is heading to Nationals this week in Fort Worth. We're going to have our buddy Justin Lee on because there's no one better to talk Auburn Gymnastics with. Um, Several of you have asked for this specifically. Just like, hey, I know they're at Nationals. What can I expect? What do I need to look for? You know, what – just, just, you know, I'm trying to be a smarter fan. I try to be a knowledgeable fan about what's going to go on since Auburn's in the Elite Eight of gymnastics at this really, really high level. Um and Lee's the best person to talk to about that. We will put that out on Wednesday. You will have to be a subscriber to get access to that podcast. So it'd be a good week to sign up if you haven't already. So that's one way you can help us out. The other way you can help us out that costs absolutely no money is what, Painter? Rate, review, subscribe, tell the friends, tell the family for the Auburn casual in your life. Let's make them a little less casual. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to put it. Uh, Apple Podcast, search bar, type in the Auburn Observer, click the Auburn Observer, scroll down to ratings and reviews, click write a review, say something nice about Painter, and uh, we'll keep it going. All right, we've got a new review, and we read reviews on air because we're vain people. We also like to shout out those of you who are uh, who are um, doing the work for us. Uh, this is from Hugh Blackstock. It says, let Painter do some random monologues. This is basically a perfect sports show. Ferg's Auburn analysis is excellent, and Painter's Norm McDonald-like delivery keeps non-Auburn fans in your life from complaining when you're listening to sports talk concerningly deep into the offseason. Five out of five stars, 10 out of 10 vibes. Painter, I think this is a great idea. If you Could you write monologues to do during the offseason? Don't have to be super long. I think, I, I think this might be a good turn for you. I'm happy to give it a go. You know, I love to hear myself talk. Yeah, I think we'll start doing that. Well, that'll be an off-season project. Painter gets to do... Gets to do some monologues. We'll give him, you know, we'll give him a few minutes to kind of take the floor. You hear me talk way too much on this podcast anyway. The people want more painter. We're going to give you more painter. That's that's a guarantee. So appreciate the the kind words. Appreciate the reviews. Uh, and like I said, sign up for the Observer. Subscribe. You get more of this uh, for uh, just a few bucks a month. Also, Homefield Apparel. There it is, baby. I've been wearing it. I've been wearing it. What you got? What you got on? Where are we rocking? Your I've been, camera's off been right rocking now. a lot of Utah State action, actually. So we had a we had we had a uh, we had a listener uh, send us some Utah State stuff. It was their alma mater uh, not too long ago. Uh, an avid uh, listener and subscriber. We really appreciate that. My Utah State shirt is one of the best ones I own. Period. Now, uh, I did the uh, I talked about it last week. I did the mystery box when they came out during the tournament. Got a Boise State shirt. Got a uh, pit shirt that I love. Why does the uh, tournament feel like it was so long ago? I know. <laughs> and it was the a National really Tip. fun tournament. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot. It, it, it was. It really was a lot of fun. And then I had a, I have a new nine win Indiana shirt. 
that I that I adore as well. Homefield Apparel's got you covered. Uh, look, it's heating up. It's warming up. If you want to have the most comfortable Auburn gear, whether you're at the ballpark, uh, whether you're out at the beach, whether you're just working from home, casual Friday, whatever, man. Like you know, it's 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 about to be that time of the year where the where the vibes are a little bit better. Um, Homefield Apparel is going to be your place to get the best uh, Auburn gear anywhere, uh, and. Uh, You've got, there's some Auburn baseball shirts on there. Um, there's some Auburn basketball shirts. If you want to get up early for Auburn football, if it's still hoodie season where you are, you want to grab you a hoodie or a, or, or a sweatshirt. They're the most comfortable things you're going to own, period. And they're going to have the coolest logos and designs that you're going to find anywhere. Auburn and other schools, we just named a bunch of them that we have. Um, and uh, they're constantly refreshing. Uh, they're, they're, they're about to start refreshing some more... Um, they're about to start refreshing some more schools. So if you have a school that you really enjoy, there's a good chance they might be getting some new stuff. And Auburn, obviously, in the spring, got a lot of a lot of new stuff with the Peacocks and the and, and the and number one in basketball. So check that out, homefieldapparel.com. If it's your first order there, 15% off if you use the promo code OBSERVER when you check out. And we appreciate Connor and Whitney and the gang for supporting us down here. All right, before we go, um, got a few kind of news items to hit. First off, Terrence Love on Sunday afternoon committed to Auburn, their second pickup in the 2023 class, uh, and this is a big one. Terrence Love is the uh, nation's. Well, okay, I'm I'm gonna in the interest in, in the interest of fairness, uh, I'm going to read out uh, the the recruiting rankings all the way across because there's one that's there's one that's a lot higher uh, than than elsewhere, but. Um, let's see. Terrence Love, uh, by the way, he is um, fr- 6'2", uh, 195. He is from Langston Hughes in Fairburn. Langston Hughes is a school Auburn is recruiting really, really hard uh, this offseason, or in this cycle, I should say. Uh, and he is the first piece from there. Um, let's look, 247 has him as the number 237 player in the country. Rivals has him as a top 100 player and a top five player in his position, kind of a safety. Some places have him as a linebacker. Uh, 268 overall by uh, on three and 282 by ESPN. So, kind of give you the full scope there of the uh, of the rankings. Uh, a big pickup for Auburn, one of one of their bigger ones of the Harson era. Uh, this is a guy that um, is going to be uh, one of the um, kind of one of the one of the key pieces for them because, like I said, they're recruiting this high school uh, pretty hard uh, and they want to. Um, they want to, you know, get more guys from Georgia involved, get more guys from that area involved. He can be kind of an early pickup uh, for them. Um, really good safety. Uh, if you look at him on film, uh, he is uh, he, he, he's a ball hawk. He attacks the ball in air on film, but he also can, you know, step up and kind of thump with with uh, with you know tight ends. He's got pretty good hitting ability, but I think his range is what a lot of people like. He's got good size. Yeah, uh, over the top of a defense, um, but yeah, I mean, some places have him as a linebacker because they feel like he can come in and, and and step up into the box and help out as well. So, um, very much a kind of safety we have seen Auburn kind of have in the past. Um, you know, it's kind of a kind of a dual threat type of dude, not necessarily a guy who's just dropping back into coverage, but not necessarily a guy that um, is just a you know kind of a kind of a box only player. So, very versatile piece. Highly rated dude. Um, 
number of big name teams, Florida, Tennessee, uh, others across the country. Miami was in, in form as well. So um, it's been a while since Auburn's gotten a commitment. Uh, Braden Joyner was about three months ago. So um, Auburn is looking to kind of heat things up here in the spring and the summer with this 2023 class. And so I think love can be a first big piece there. But uh, Terrence Love from, uh, from like I said, Langston Hughes in Fairburn, Georgia. Absolutely sick school name. Yeah, that and also sick name, period. Terrence Love, like that's a, that's a great football name. Top tier football name, I would I would say. There is more recruiting news. Uh, Christopher Vizina, uh, who is uh, a four star quarterback prospect uh, from uh, from Briarwood Christian, uh, is down to a final six of, uh, and this is just in order across uh, on his graphic: Notre Dame, Ole Miss, Auburn, Ohio State, Clemson, and Georgia. Um, he's committing on Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday afternoon, so keep an eye out for that one. Uh, Auburn trying to get – he might be the top guy, might be their top target in the quarter from quarterbacks in this class. Really high-rising high, high type of uh, recruit. Auburn's been on him for a couple years now, so keep an eye out for him. Um, and I think that's it for football recruiting, but expect it. Auburn had a, quite a few folks on campus this past weekend for A-Day. Um, looks like there might be some momentum starting to flow there and – as we say, we're not we don't you know cover recruiting very closely, it's like super super closely. We usually do more when guys sign or when they uh, when they you know when they commit. Um, this is when we do a little bit more of the breaking down there. But follow the folks at two four seven and on three and at rivals and uh, across the board who do an excellent job covering recruiting. They're gonna have you covered because uh, I think things are about to get pretty busy uh, around the plains for that crew. Another thing to mention, just to keep in mind. This is not me reporting anything, or I'd just be interested to see what's um, what happens. Uh, Georgia had a couple of offensive linemen, uh, Amarius Mims and Clay Webb. Both of them are former five stars. Auburn recruited both of those guys. Auburn's not going to get anybody, I don't think, at the transfer portal that's going to start right away um, just because of the amount of fifth- and sixth-year guys in their room. But I don't know. It would be interesting to see if Auburn gets involved for those guys. Um, just – there are some there. There are going to start being some more guys after spring ball or towards the end of spring ball that start entering the portal, and um, they. I think offensive line wise, don't really know if you're going to get anybody who's going to start right away just because of the amount of experience there. Um, but uh, you know, if Auburn's trying to backfill with some of these guys that that could be 2023 guys and beyond, hard to find anybody better than guys who were former five stars. I would say. I tend to agree. In fact, I'd, I'm, you know more about the roster management stuff than I do, but I don't see why those guys couldn't come in and at least give it a go to start. Yeah, and I think, I think, um, as I say this and kind of clicking around, so you're getting some live audio here from this uh, transferring in, you know, between schools in the SEC. I think there's rules and stuff like that where it might be harder for those guys to pull that off right now. Mm-hmm. So maybe. Maybe that's not something in the bar. It's just it popped up to me whenever, you know, you see, hey, former five-star offensive linemen uh, are, are entering the portal. Those are the type of players, maybe not five-star guys necessarily, but like those are the type of guys where I think you know, Auburn can afford to kind of add on. So we shall see what uh, – we'll, we'll see what all that happens. Like the portal is about to heat up. I think wide receiver, edge, 
Um, and then, and then maybe some young, maybe some guys for the future, uh, on the line of scrimmage would be kind of the priorities for Auburn, uh, right now in the, uh, in the portal basketball. Um, you've got signing day coming up this week, uh, late signing period coming up. Yoan Traore will be in the mix there. It'd be interesting if Auburn makes any late, you know, if, if they're able to snag anybody else in this 2022 class late, this will be the week to find out. Uh, so keep an eye on that. There's a number of guys that Auburn has at least been in, in, in reference, you know, kind of in the mix for. Uh, interesting SEC transfer uh, popping up on Sunday, uh, and that is a uh, former five-star uh, Tennessee player. Uh, yeah, Brandon Huntley Hatfield. Uh, I didn't want to say that too fast because sometimes I get – tripped up there the double um, syllables for all three names is what gets me yeah yeah yeah. I like i like it the brandon huntley hatfield um he was a uh uh he, he entered the uh he entered the portal on sunday and uh, i think some tennessee folks uh were really uh really i don't know upset's not really the right word but when we're kind of surprised yeah, kind of surprised that they thought he was going to be a guy for them for the future. Former five star, he was you know top thirty player in this past class, uh, and uh, yeah, entering the portal, um, you've got a situation going on with 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 Tennessee right now as they try to reload uh, moving forward. They've got some older guys potentially coming back uh, in their uh, in their front court. Uh, Kenny Chandler uh, is gone, and I. Th- I think Josiah Jordan James has also gone as well. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but yeah, Huntley Hatfield uh, entering the portal. Auburn was involved for Huntley Hatfield in his in um, the first time around. Be interesting to see if they go after him again. There were a couple of games where he didn't play quite as much, but this is a dude who played about 15 to 20 minutes a night uh, down the stretch for Tennessee this past season. So he will be an interesting piece. Very skilled, athletic, uh, big man. Um, so, uh, just another name, just to keep in mind, I don't know if Auburn's going to go after him or not, just, but that's a, that was a name that when it popped up into the portal, you're like, ah, very, very, very interesting to see if, uh, if Auburn's going to take advantage. And look, there's, there's a number of guys in the portal that are entering left and right. Um, it's like what we said not too long ago. It's like Auburn doesn't have to have all the answers right now with their roster. Um, because guys are going to go in, you know, this is going to be over the next few months. It's going to be a process. I just want to shout out, though, just because I like him. I like watching him play. Uh, uh, I like I like wa- watching him play uh, in the mid-major level. Kenneth Lofton Jr. Uh, is in the uh, in the portal. If you've not watched Kenneth Lofton Jr. play, um, he was a whole lot of fun uh, at Louisiana Tech these last two seasons. Not re- no no relation to uh, to former baseball great Kenny Kenny Lofton, uh, but. Kenneth Lofton Painter, I think this would be one of your favorites. 6'7", 275. Big old dude. Meaty boy. Yes. Uh, Top 15 defensive rebounder in college basketball this last season. Top 35 offensive rebounder. Uh, Scored a lot. Uh, They built their offense around kind of his post-up game. He got to the free throw line a good bit as well. Um, Just kind of uh, undersized in terms of height, but just that traditional, like, just – junkyard dog down low type of player i don't know if auburn's going to go after him i just think he's a fun name Uh, i think kentucky has been reportedly in contact with him just was one of the better mid-major players it's just like i I use these two guys again like you said with with the case of huntley hatfield and with kenneth lofton 
not necessarily saying, hey, Auburn's going after these guys here, here, here. It's just like when you talk about adding more guys to that front court, dudes are coming in like this on a daily basis. Like they're, you know, they're, they're, there's going to be a lot of talent in the portal. And so patience, I think, is going to be key. But also just know that, like, if Auburn misses out on a guy or two, there's going to be more really good guys coming in. I like what we saw with – with uh, Walker Kessler and Katie Johnson and and all those guys this off season, uh, th- this past season, Auburn's got a really good pitch to a lot of transfers. Is that hey, look at what we just did um, with, with transfers. You, do you want to do you want to be a part of that? Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they fill fill the rest of that out. But the portal is continuing to load up in talent, and it's between that and the the end of the 2022 cycle. Uh, Bruce Pearl and staff is going to be a hard at work, and they they could they could really pull off a haul here. We love our did basketball you, coach, folks. Did you did you see the uh, did you see the Walker Kessler video that they posted Saturday, Sunday I did. afternoon? I did. Love the touch of him uh, having the hat, the hat being involved with the 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 cowboy hat. Um, the self aware basketball team. We appreciate that. Self aware basketball team. Self aware um, social media presence. Uh, they're they're very. That's a very fun, a very fun group, and. Uh, like, look, everyone's going to say they're looking forward to see what Jabari Smith does in the NBA. That's easy. That's really easy. I'm really interested to see what Walker Kessler does because I think I'm with Bruce Pearl. I think he can shoot better at the next level than what he put as a jump shooter this year. I mean, these guys continue. How many dudes get into the NBA and they become better players than they were in college? There's so many of them. Um, but, man, that defense is NBA ready. And uh, it's, he could be one of those dudes that snags a spot on a team that's in the playoffs this year and they can develop him down the line into somebody who can be a real force for him. So uh, Kessler is going to be one of, you know, I, I look at him like I think of Isaac Okoro as well. And I obviously Isaac got picked a lot higher than I thought he would. And he's doing really well with the Cleveland Cavaliers right now. It's like those guys who aren't necessarily like, like a guy like Jabari Smith is like, you can see, oh man, he fits everybody. And he, you know, um, he's so, so talented. I think a guy like Walker Kessler, it's just like he's he's so good at certain areas and there's question marks about some other spots about him. He's just so intriguing. So uh, I think he'll be a lot of fun to watch. And Auburn, I think Auburn fans will, will will have a lot of fun with both of those guys at the next level. Always a good chance. If you want if you want an NBA team to jump on with or if you want to you have a rooting interest uh, in the league moving forward, Auburn's putting more and more guys in for people to get excited about. Let's go, baby. All right, I think that'll do it for us. Um, like I said, uh, Wednesday we are going to have a new podcast episode, a premium podcast about Auburn Gymnastics. We're going to do nothing but Auburn Gymnastics with with Lee. It'll be a bonus just for subscribers, so if you're interested in that, you need to be a subscriber to get, to get access to it. Um, we will have another premium podcast episode later in the week, potentially on Friday again. Uh, newsletters throughout the week on football and basketball, mailbag on, on Friday. Uh, we'll you know continue to put about three or four newsletters out per week and still have the two podcasts, but we will have a bonus one this week uh, with with gymnastics. Also, um, just because I'm here and looking at it right now, uh, shout out to uh, Auburn baseball. Took two out of three against Vanderbilt, uh, getting the uh, big series win uh, on Sunday. Uh, Sonny uh, Deshera um, is just knocking the cover off the ball right now. And uh, that's a big that's a big series win. And it was a sellout all three games this weekend. Um, as you say, continue to uh, to follow the folks that uh, cover Auburn baseball really at a really really high level. Um, 
and uh, they're they're all, they've been a whole lot of fun to watch. I've had I've had their games on in the background a few times here uh, this season, and uh, they've you know especially Deshera De- is just a really really fun dude to watch uh, play play baseball. So uh, we will see how that crew goes moving forward. Now that we are in the heart of the off season for our two uh, sports of interest on here, football and men's basketball, that'll do it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, we will talk to you guys later in the week. Painter, final thoughts. Which of these college football greats did not win the Heisman Trophy? Bo Jackson, Herschel <laughs> Walker, Joe Theismann, or Billy Sims? Theismann. Tune in this week to find out. Right about now. Right about now. You're about to be possessed by the sounds of MC Raw Face and DJ Easy Rock.